Hi everybody, you're listening to The Woke Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. Maya 2022 is almost over. I cannot believe it. It's been a mixed year for us rope-wise because we've had some really, really good rope times, but also we haven't been able to tie as much as we wanted because of health and work and all kinds of reasons. Yeah, it wasn't the year we planned, but then when is it? Right. Well, I really hope 2023 is quieter and we have more time to do rope. Yeah, quieter but busy with ropes. (laughs) Meanwhile, to finish 2022 and send it off with a bang, We are going back to four more of our guests of the year, and they are telling us about some of their favorite rope scenes ever. So listening to this is really entertaining and also really good inspiration for our own rope. Starting with Wawa, who was episode 132. I think one of the most memorable rope scenes for me was actually when I went to a small island of Okinawa and I was on holiday and I feel like this one was very memorable because of the entire trip mm-hmm. and how it represented that trip for me but it also was very memorable because it really made me realize about how how much shibari can like affect the environment and affect all the people in the room who are there witnessing it so not even just the people who get tied and the person tying uh it was someone who i didn't know very well but i was very curious about so i knew about her from one of my play partners and she was an ex-lover of his and she really intrigued me because i knew a lot about her from him but i didn't know about her from her own perspective Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get to know her further, and I feel like I this is one of the reasons why I tie is because I really am intrigued by that person, and I want to know all the nitty-gritty details about them. Uh, I want to see them in their most honest, um, intimate way. And I just couldn't really suss her out at first. Um, I couldn't really connect with her fluidly. You know, some people that you try to have a conversation with, but it doesn't really flow very well. Um, and we finally got to this island, and I was with a group of people also who she didn't know. I just met her in Okinawa, and I brought her along with me too. And when we tied, I realized that she was she's very empowered and very comfortable with her sexuality, but not everyone else there was. And so I was a little bit timid, and I was a little bit uh, cautious about how it would affect the whole party. I didn't want to feel like uh, I was forcing my kink onto other people 
and not everyone could necessarily be comfortable with it. But she was really pushing. She was like, oh, I really want to get tied. It's a beautiful house. Let's do it now. The light is perfect. Like I feel in the mood. I want to get tied. And also because I didn't know her that well, I wasn't sure how her reactions would be. I didn't know if it was going to turn into something very erotic between us or if it was going to be something that was more calm or even if it was going to be, it would, it would, she would like um, push the very sadistic side about me. So it was interesting because I was just tying with a bunch of people I don't know in a place that I don't know. I was in a very unfamiliar territory, but I was given the opportunity to tie someone that I really wanted to. And it was such a beautiful house too. It was one of those traditional Japanese style homes with the, yes, with the beam and with the, the low uh, hanging points, you know, it was just perfect with tatami and it was beautiful light. And a lot of people, we'd just gone from a swim in the ocean. So a lot of people were just chilling outside drinking and it created a really nice, interesting buzz because um, there was like light murmurs and people talking outside and we were tying inside and I still had this feeling of secrecy because I didn't, um, I didn't really want to turn it into performance for one. Like I wanted to get to know her, uh, and I didn't want to interfere with the natural rhythm of how people wanted to go on holiday. So I just found a moment where a lot of people were outside and we were inside and we just started tying. And when we tied, I could see at the beginning that she was very like used to, presenting herself and she was knew how to make it very erotic and seduce me so it seemed very much like she was in control at the beginning um, posing she knew how to arch her back in a way that I liked how to like show her breast in a certain way and then as the ropes kind of got more and I I tied her to the hashira so I, I tied her against the post she didn't have as much space to move and as much space to breathe then the energy of the room just really changed and you could see her. It wasn't really a shock, but it was very unexpected for her for it to turn this way. Like she was in control and it started to lose that sensation over time. And then it also started to rain too. So people walked inside and then they realized what was going on. And some people, they came in and they just walked. They were like, oh, this is interesting. They just wanted to sit down and watch. And I could see other people in the room there was a couple there, and I think they were the most, like, it was the most, uh, com like, confronting for them, because as a vanilla couple, I don't know if they were, they had discussed this before, and I don't know if they were each, each other was comfortable with seeing something that is erotic or intimate, and how their partner was going to react to it. So there was a lot of different attitudes in the room going mm -hmm. on at that moment. But I just remembered like her reaction was so intense and it just changed so much. And you could see her really um, deep in her subspace at that moment. She'd lost a lot of this need to perform and need to be seen by others because she couldn't see at that point. She was blindfolded. And yeah, and everyone just slowly started walking in. And then eventually everyone kind of quieted down and softened. And when I untied her, Afterwards, I just felt like everyone in the room just became. My friend said, "You made everyone squishy." <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, wow. Like, we didn't have this whole um, guard between each other. We didn't because we didn't know each other very well. I only knew one person on that trip, and her. And we all just were like, were much more comfortable sitting closer to each other, talking about more intimate topics. People were opening up about their own SM experiences too, and I just really liked 
seeing that happen. And she also lost a lot of that need to perform and to seduce me. I think she uses her seduction as a form of power, and she realized that like, I, I see you as a friend. You know, you can we can be honest with each other. Um, you don't have to always be beautiful. You don't always have to be sexy around me. You know, I, I like seeing you just as you are, and I liked seeing her suffering too. So it just made everyone in the room squishy, and I really like that. Um, it made me feel closer to everyone in the room too. What so. a beautiful story! Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you for reminding me of this story too. <laughs> Maya, there are a lot of interesting ingredients in this story. First of all, we have this theme of taking advantage of the perfect place and time with this very beautiful traditional Japanese house these people around, this moment in time, after going to swim, relaxing, some people are outside, the tying's happening inside, and you can imagine them coming into the room one by one and being surprised by the spectacle of the tying and the reactions of the different observers. So that's a really nice flow to that story. And also that theme of the model going from performance to experience as she sinks into the rope and becomes less self-conscious and cares less about showing off, not wanting to be negative in what I mean by that, but wanting to perform for an audience to more feeling something inside of herself. So that I think is quite potent as a story. Mm, and the sense of um, power and control sliding from one person to the other, I think is really interesting. Well, that rope is a tool for changing who is in inverted commas in charge so that context and environment i would agree is a real big piece of it and then the dynamic between the two individuals i like very much from wawa this idea of using rope to get to know a person and sort of strip off their armor and get to the real them yeah i think it's really beautiful hey guys this is fox coming in for a short break listeners like you make this podcast possible we want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us and you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. I'm excited to hear the next one, Fox, because this is one that I was lying sick in the dark in bed for and you did on your own with um, the wonderful Grey Dancer. And this is going to be his episode 134 and his favorite scene let's hear it the the scene was Sharikon, um and we were in not the main dungeon we'd gone off to one of the side dungeons and i was going to be topping uh my friend janice mm -hmm. um and her uh partner at the time loki was there as well and uh he was sort of going to be assisting during this scene and uh, i had i had planned this out very specifically um i would ask that for any rope purists out there please remember that i come from a not just a dance background but a musical dance theater background 
Um, so when you're going to do a scene that I am planning out, it's going to have some theatrical elements. So um, we uh, we put her in to um, a modified TK. It had basically a, a TK. It was modified in that her hands, instead of being crossed behind her back, her hands were down to her sides. Okay. And tied to each thigh at the wrists. Um, mainly because I wanted to be able to lean her back against the cross. We um, leaned her back against the, the thing and, and, and secured the chest harness to the uh, St. Andrew's cross and um, and then secured her legs apart. Um, at which point I informed her that I was actually not going to be topping her. Mm. Um, that uh, instead... Uh, she was going to be topped by Mr. Nice Dom, and at which point I pulled out a little white sock puppet, okay. uh, <laughs> which I had created that had little eyes on it, and it had little, uh, um, like I had a, it was flagging, and it had, you know, a little mock of a Sabaricon shirt on and things like that. And and this was the Dom that was the Oh, your your pain is so beautiful. It sustains me. You know, I love your and and I. So I was uh, whispering that, and as I was whispering that, Loki was doing awful things to her. You know, because mm. he's her long term partner, and you know, and so she's halfway between laughing and crying all the time. <laughs> um, at which point, my other hand comes out from behind my back with a black sock puppet. Um, you know, with a little evil bad guy hat on, mm-hmm. and um, and it is the most terrifying Dom at all, the Dom with no name. Uh. And he is a hardcore humiliation. You worthless cut. Oh, you're no good. I don't even know why I waste my time with you. Oh, you are so beautiful when you <laughs> suffer. I love your tears. They sustain me, you know. And so we have these two sock puppets talking to her on either side while Loki is doing many things including and this is not my story to tell exactly there's a longer story attached to it but suffice it to say that there was a reason that he was pushing a tiny little brat's doll and some of your listeners will know exactly what that looks like but basically think of a little uh doll that looks like a high school girl from the neck down and on the head is actually a much bigger head Mm -hmm. um he was uh putting a condom over that and slowly pushing it inside of her. Okay. Uh, sort of a reverse birth going on. All right. While she's being talked to by the two sock puppets, which end up uh, getting into a fight. One of them pulls a knife out, kills the oh. other one. It dies, but comes back as a zombie. And so then you have the zombie evil sock puppet and there, you know, it's just it just got very, very intense. There's a whole um, storyline happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a it was a Gaston Kunstwerk. It was a very much a uh, a whole thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and it was just it was hilarious, and and you know we were all laughing, and there was it was very sexy, because Janice was you know beautiful, responsive, and and, and it was we were all having fun with it. Um, but then, uh, so when we got done uh, with the main scene, you know, we gently untied her and sat her down, and and it had included a birthing scene, a rebirthing scene, 
Um, and so, uh, you know, Loki very carefully wrapped the doll in swaddling sock and gave it to her. And so she's sitting there in the corner, sort of a Pieta kind of pose, you know, mm-hmm. holding the little baby doll and, you know, tears drying on her cheeks from laughing and crying and, you know, bruises will be wonderful for tomorrow and rope marks on her arms and things like that. And then all of a sudden she looks up at both of us and we're, you know, we're sort of sitting there in our, you know, happy Dom exhaustion. And she looks up at both with horror and goes, it's missing an arm. (laughs) And, And we're like, you know, and, it, it turned out we found the arm on the floor. It had not actually been. <laughs> it was left. not inside anyone. Inside of anyone, yes. But, but at the moment, just, just that look on her face of this horror of it's missing an arm. Um, but uh, but I can tell you that one of the reasons that is my favorite, one of my favorites. I mean, I, I'm I'm so lucky that I have so many mm. favorite rope scenes. Um, but one of the reasons is because, at its heart, it is it is the epitome of play. You know, it is not trying to prove something. It's not trying to impress anybody. It's the same kind of spirit that you have as a kid when you're playing uh, cops and robbers or you're you, you know, get online with your best buddies and play video games. I never do that. So I don't know what that's like, but I think Hmm. it's like that. Um, It was just pure silliness and joy and camaraderie. Um, and it was adult because it was, you know, sexy as well. Uh, and that I think is the thing that I like the most about, about rope is that it, it gave us spaces where we could do that. Amazing. Great. Thank you for sharing that beautiful story with us. Absolutely. Thanks. Oh, gray. Oh, gray. Maya, what do you make of that story? Well, that is not what I was expecting. Not that I knew what to expect, but, um, the doll moment was definitely, um, a surprise. <laughs> Gray is so good with the theatrics. Yes, it's the first time I've heard uh, Gestalt in a rope uh, context. Holy moly, the sexy times there, the um, performance, the full-on cast of characters. So much effort was put into creating this. Yeah, that's amazing. I really admire that, like this amount of preparation, of reflection. Yeah, and just, wow. And then the climax. <laughs> Oh, you're so funny. I'm I'm glad the arm was found and no one was hurt. Me too, except for the poor brats, though. Going on, Maya, we are now listening to Ropunawa, and that was episode 130. Let's hear his story. Actually, it was a public performance in uh, in Israel and at the Mordecai studio. Uh, I was there before the pandemic really hit everything. And it's one of, the, it was a really a big experiment for me and my partner, Freya Hellestin. Um, we said like, hey, we would like to make this performance in front of those 80 peoples uh, with more Shibari crowd oriented. We just want, we do not have mu- music. We don't want to put music on. And we asked the organizer to share that as well with the audience. So they a little bit prepared to it. And uh, so he talked in Hebrew, in Hebrew, I don't know how you say it in English, in Hebrew, uh, to the crowd. So we 
didn't understand anything. Um, and we started our rope scene, no music. I started with a little bit like body manipulation, uh, just moving my partner around effortless on the floor. And then I went for a strapado, where I find it's always very difficult to do that in front of people, but it went very well. And from there, we we just played for an hour on stage and there was no noise from those 80 people. There was occasionally maybe once one time a coughing or more one time where someone wanted to go to the toilet, but the the floor was cracking because it was a wooden floor. So they just went one step and then they're just like, no, I can't <laughs> go anywhere because it's too loud. And it was just, the room was just me and my partner's noise and our interaction with each other for, yeah, for an hour because it went from partial to a very, I think, demanding strapado suspension, uh, where I don't really remember so much of it because it was just a little bit on the flow. Uh, but the end was really very, very exciting because uh, people very much loved it and didn't experience the performance yet without music. So they felt very close to us. And it was so magical for me, or at least for both of us, that it was so many people. And we did not realize that there are people because they were so quiet and they were so drawn to the scene that it was a really, really intense experience. And then in the end, we just um, talked to the organizer and he's like, Oh shit, I forgot to tell them that there's no music. <laughs> and like, what? And the, the people came to us and just like in the beginning, hey, hey, uh, we were a little bit confused first that there was no music, but then you just started and uh yeah, it was so intense. And that's since then we always say for us how we tie, because we do not hide anything in a performance. And I also never practiced for a performance. So I stopped that doing it for years. And most of my performance always different. Just how my day mood is, how the mood is of my partner, how I feel about the crowd. And the, my only first thought is always mm, strapato, TK, tenchi, tengu, what do I want to do? Uh, uh, and from there on, it will be just a wide open area of tool sets where I can play around and just see what my partner would love to explore. And it's also when we never practice, also this one, it was very nonverbal. There was this, the whole hour, she didn't know what's coming. She didn't knew what I'm going to do. And this makes the performance probably very unique and yeah, just unique.
Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Rapunam. Welcome. A very beautiful story, Maya, of a magical moment suspended in time and no one daring to break the silence. Yeah, even uh, creaking floorboards are too much to uh, break the concentration of the people. And that's when you know that something really special is happening, when the whole room is captivated like that. Mm-hmm. And we know it's less typical, in, um, certainly in the West, uh, to have performances without music. It's really an interesting exploration for people. I think rope performance has a lot of space to grow and develop down different paths. And we've seen a certain type of performances so far, but I'm sure people could come up with new and different ways to present rope as a performance art. Mm, perhaps that would be something to explore in the future of rope. Maybe, maybe it will be. Our next episode is Lifa and Iki, Icarus, and we're very excited to share with you episode 128 with them if you want to catch up with the rest of the session. So one of my favorite rope scenes to date actually just happened not too long ago, and I actually bottomed for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'll share it because it was really an amazing scene. So I recently just had top surgery about two months ago. And before I had top surgery, I went to one of my good friends, Never, and who was an incredible rope top. And I, we were at a convention together, and we, I knew we were going to tie. And I was going to ask for a specific scene, but I thought I might chicken out, but I ended up asking for it. So when we were negotiating, I told Never that I wanted them to expose my chest mm-hmm. and expose my genitals and make it like this little degrading, fun, like exposey rope scene. And when we tied, Never has this way of tying me and I just immediately start crying. I don't know what it is. It's just our connection. And so they are just putting the box tie on me and I'm crying. And also there was a lot of weight to the scene because our friends were watching and everyone knows I'm about to have top surgery. And really like this was the last chance for me to explore feminine exposure in in my body before my body was going to change. Um, And so I was crying a lot and they exposed my chest and I was crying and then they go and they lift up my leg to expose my expose my thighs and expose my and I'm wearing like a little bodysuit and they snap open my crotch and I'm upset there's a lot of emotions in this scene there's like went from crying to how dare you to crying and um, I'm feeling how how dare you at this moment as my as my pussy's exposed to all my friends and anyone at the party and never takes out a fan and he starts, and they start fanning themselves. <laughs> and then they turn the fan on my pussy and start fanning my pussy in front of everyone. <laughs> and I, yeah, I turn red in the face. And I'm just, I've never felt more like inherent shame in my entire life. And it was such a good scene. And I'll probably never forget it. It was, it was so good. And I felt like I got to really experience that, that feminine exposure for that last time and really enjoy it with someone that I feel so safe with. That's so awesome. What about you, Iki? Yeah, I, I have too many to, <laughs> to like. There's so many amazing ones, but one that comes to mind um, is uh, 
similar to Leaf, it was right before my top surgery, which is uh, almost two years ago. Um, and I, for some reason, decided to shave my head completely before top surgery, um, almost as like a cleanse. <laughs> and the best time to grow out a, your weird haircut is when no one's going to see you because you're healing from surgery anyway. Um, uh, but I was having a really hard time with it because uh, I have a difficult time with like the idea of like feeling really ugly, which is actually something we play with in rope a lot. So they um, almost gave me a goodbye to my hair, but in rope. So the whole rope scene was focused on my hair. Um, like my, it was my last hair rope for so long. Um, and that whole scene, there was a lot of exposure. Um, they like removed my, my lingerie that I'd put on for them. They tied my hair um, and kept me suspended, but kept my hair in tension at all times um, and just sat and looked at me for a long time until I started to cry. <laughs> um, and my hair was the first thing to go up and the last thing to come down. And immediately after the scene, we shaved my head. Oh. Um, and it was just like a good way to create a container to feel it as big as I wanted to. Um, which is a thing that I really love about rope. Um, and so that was, a really beautiful scene. The scene itself, like the rope itself, like the positioning wasn't phenomenal in terms of like, it wasn't aesthetically like the most interesting mm -hmm. thing I've been in. It wasn't the best tied rope I've ever been in. Um, but it was the care and the intention and the focus like on my hair, this thing I'd held onto for so long um, that they, they gave me in that scene. We stayed pretty close to the ground. Um, so a lot of my favorite rope scenes with Leaf or with others aren't really about the rope. Um, they're kind of about like the emotions that we got to share. Mm. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing guys. Of course. What a beautiful story, Maya, marking for the both of them, strong moments of transition and milestones in their life. Yeah, I think it's super lovely to have that rope marking change, so a, a ritual of sorts. A catharsis or maybe even a cleansing of the soul, you could say, something that can even reach into the therapeutic, maybe. I'm definitely tapping into a great deal of emotion in there. So it's really not so much about the rope itself, it's really the meaning that one attaches to the rope, isn't it? I think so, and I think across the stories, we've really seen that different people um, bring out different aspects of the rope, and the rope is really a tool, like, like we say, and you can use it in a multitude of ways. Well, that is a very good lesson for us to bring into 2023, where we will meet some new amazing and fascinating rope people on the Rope Podcast. And I very much look forward to spending next year with our dear listeners and learning more about rope. So happy um, end of 2022, if you're listening to this uh, just as it comes out. And happy 2023, if you're listening to it in the new year. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, where our name is also Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FetLife or Instagram. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.